0: What most think. Hello and welcome to episode 183 of What Most People Think. And uh, well, it's getting busy, isn't it? Properly, we're into January now. I've got projects going on. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I can't tell you about them. I can't, I can't, I'm announcing my tour at the end of this month, so keep an for that. But uh, I've been all over the shop. I did news quiz. Did news quiz last Thursday, and um, my God, they said to me, they said to me, "Well, the opening subject is going to be is going to be talking about the Labour Party." And you better believe that old Uncle Jeff was fucking delighted. (laughs) You can imagine me just on the on the touchline warming up, like getting my neck muscles getting ready. All right, let's get let's get talk about the Labour Party on the news quiz. It was a lot of fun. Uh, It was a lot. Of course, we took you know we climbed into the Tories as well, but um, the the feedback on Twitter. Was uh, there? There were, there were some shocked people. They just—I do not expect BBC comedy to do anything other than critique the current conservative government. Uh, but don't worry, the, the conservatives—they—they they found a good way of uh, stealing the limelight back. There was this brief little period in time, wasn't there, where it seemed like the Labour Party might tell us what the fuck they do about everything, anything, in fact. Um, but of course, the Tories gone. We're not having that. All right, we'll, we'll give you a couple of scandals. We, we don't pull focus, Starling. Um, so we'll talk about that briefly We've got a guest episode this week We've got Neil Delamere Irish comic, Neil Delamere Which will make sense when you hear the beginning of the interview uh, An incredibly funny man A brilliant stand-up And a regular on, on panel shows, on radio Both here uh, and, in, and in Ireland uh, He really... And it, it was interesting because at the beginning of the, For the, an early part of the chat I just sort of wanted to talk to him about <laughs> I mean, I guess I hope it doesn't come across badly But I was sort of going like I- Ireland's different, isn't it? <laughs> But but I just think having worked there a bit recently, I think that sometimes we don't, you know, particularly in England, we don't appreciate the level of 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 difference. You know, it's a shared language for the most part. But um, so he he indulged me to a point. Where we spoke about that. We spoke about his approach um, to comedy as well. And speaking of comedy, um, I was on the road a bit last week, trying out trying out gear, as they say. And um, I did a, I did a club gig in a Manchester Comedy Store on Friday. I've just got to say to people: if you see me at a club gig, that doesn't mean you've seen the tour. I had a couple of people going, "Well, I've seen your show now." No, please stop coming up to me and saying this. It's an amuse bouche for the show. I'm gonna. If you come at the tour, I'll amuse the fuck out of your bouche. <laughs> How about that? Anyone, anyone fancy having their bouche amused? Uh, let's get into it. The main talking point from last week's episode. There's a few um things that are super patreon david domain brought up and we were speaking about californias in in great britain and david says that there are at fewest 10 californias in great britain 10 californias and thanks to all the people um that messaged in about that mark horton ian Heppelway. i think there was somebody else that uh E- texted in It's not texted in it's Emailed in At what most people think UK At gmail.com So we've got quite a few Californias And a few uh, Hollywoods I also bitched about the A1 Diversion that took me out From the A1 uh, In Nottinghamshire Out to Lincoln Still not over it um, And David's point is that The main point is They want to avoid the villages With HGVs in mind And that I could have gone down The Great North Road Which runs parallel down To the A1 down New well, no, I mean that's no... Used to me now. The problem is though, David, is that sometimes you make that shout and you go, I've gone off the grid, okay? There's the official diversion, but then there's Jeff's diversion. But then before you know it, you know what I mean? You're you're at some you're at some uh, petrol station that is so out of the way, it's got those hillbilly guys that work there. <laughs> That's how out of the way it is. I always think if you're really lost, there'll be some guy with a mullet and a thin pubic looking moustache going, Oh buddy, you're real lost, didn't you? <laughs> you Check come out here. And look at the out-of-towners. All right. Mm, there, you got a real pretty smile there, boy. Uh, all right, let's not take it down that road, Jeff. Um, new patrons. So it's worth reminding everybody that if you are signed up to the podcast Patreon, uh, there's a big, 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 big benefit, which is that my last touring show, the special, as all the kids call it, um, it's just a bit of comedy, is uh, of I Blame the Parents in full, the 80-minute version. So it might look, it's never going to appear anywhere else in the full version ever. OK, so if you want to watch that, you can go on and sign up at any tier level of the Patreon membership scheme and you will get access to that. But what's been amazing, we've had quite a few new patrons and I'll, I'll give you a name checks as the show goes on. We'll do a few now. Uh, board members. And to be a board member, all you do is it's not even an official level. You just upgrade to 20 quid a month. And so Chris... Gowan, Chris Gowan, welcome to the board, Chris. Uh, there's a golf day coming up, Chris. Uh, Karen's we'll see to it. See to you. It's, Karen, it's not that kind of board, right? It's not the 70s. Um, and then we got Julius Hill. Julius who both signed up and became a board member. Julius Hill. You could be better be you better be handsome or artistic with a name like Julius Hill. <laughs> that is the new album from Julius Hill. The Mercury nominated julius hill whereas chris gowan chris gowan that could be a name couldn't it just be a fucking sales rep and uh, adam lewis who has joined the ranks of the the page, the super patron out there i think adam's out there in in denmark and i was going to do like a swedish accent in there because that's what you do i mean i'm sure that that will become cancellable at some point but let's just enjoy that while we can uh we've got a couple of new vip patrons david allen is another one of these people that you know patreon don't seem to want David Allen's money. Are you, are you a drug trafficker, David? Maybe they've, they've seen that it's dirty money. Um, but you keep resetting up your membership. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And David Lister. David Lister. VIP. You got no, no hospital in Stevenage? <laughs> That's a bit local. Bit local. Uh, David Lister. David Lister. I mean, you. Are, I bet you're a lovely bloke, David. But that, that name does sound a bit evil, doesn't it? David Lister came into the room and the air went out of it. David Lister pulled a pistol from his. David Lister pulled a pistol. Or, or yeah, maybe there's some sort of tongue tire that you were. David Lister pulled a pistol. Listerine from. <laughs> Just quickly on the politics. I mean, what was, what was a you know because we've got like we got we got seatbelt gate. We've got Nadine gate. We've got Boris had a BBC guy guarantee his loan gate. And all of these are, to varying degrees, valid stories. But it just does bug me, Labour. You know what I say about it's better. It's better to be a lucky, a lucky footballer than a good footballer. At the moment, this incarnation of Labour Party, every time everyone turns around, and just slowly starts turning their head and goes, "But what would you fucking do?" Something comes along. Now, I so and I don't. You know, it's not just because I'm partisan. Less so than I used to be, but it's that i just think for the sake of our democracy it would be great if labor told us stuff that they do but there's always something isn't there there's always something in the pipeline we had rishi's seatbelt um rishi's seatbelt i got to say of the three stories i don't give a shit rishi's not wearing a seatbelt he got a, i don't care i don't care he, he he's the prime minister he drives with outriders okay he has a perimeter around him so if he has to if if his driver has to brake suddenly that's because the bad thing that's happening is a lot worse than the, the risk of him banging his head, okay? He's, he's been set upon, you know, like this fucking drone strike by the Russians. So I I just think that, you know, they're looking around, aren't they? Because the left desperately want the Tories out. And last year, Party Gay was the gift that kept on giving. So they're looking for stories that... Because it's just a lot easier, isn't it? It's a lot easier than, than making a case of why you should be in government. is to make a case, why should somebody be out of government? So... The Rishi Seatbelt one. I don't think Rishi should just own this stuff. Just go, yeah, that's right. Two fines now, bitches. I'm the most rock and roll prime minister in history. Hashtag thug life. (laughs) Uh, And then the slightly more genuine news stories were Boris Johnson. So Boris Johnson looks like the BBC, a guy who was running to be the BBC chairman, uh, pledged to be guarantor for a loan for him. I mean, what I found astonishing about that was, one, what are you doing? (laughs) And two... Two, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even like. I wouldn't lend Boris. I wouldn't be a guarantor for anything, for Boris Johnson. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even let him use my Netflix login. I, if Boris wanted to give me money, I'd refuse. That's how potentially you're getting yourself. in. If he said, "Do you want ten grand?" I've got absolutely fucking not. Okay, so so I, I find it astonishing these otherwise bright people. They clearly must be a bit bright because they've managed to. Sort of get quite high in politics in the BBC, and at the point where Boris Johnson said, Do you mind being the guarantor for my loan? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't see how that could absolutely blow up in my face. And similar with Nadim Zahawi, and I, I don't know really how what the public perception of this story is. Is that is it because I, I don't know, it's not going to be party gate, there's a lot of people trying to make it party gate. Uh, Angela Rayners back with uh Yeah fucking laughing at you. You're fucking laughing at you. She's trying to get she's trying to stir up another fight in the playground. Uh there's certain aspect elements of the press. Alistair Campbell seems to think that this this should be the BBC lead story every second of every day, even if there are no new developments. And he got bitch slapped by Nick Robinson, which was a lot of fun. But I don't think it's going to land in the same way as Partygate. It is kind of incredible that Zahawi was in the process of resolving this at the point where he was Chancellor, what, for like seven weeks. Um, but it's interesting because on the one hand, people have been mocking him for the idea that he said, well, I just, uh, you know, I forgot I had the money or, or I kind of lost it. I, I, I don't know. In my experience, rich people don't lose money. You know what I mean? They know where it all is. They know. that's why they That's why they're tight as well, isn't it? You ever notice that with your richest mate when you was a kid, like all his parents just had, all their clothes were like really shit. Like, hang on, what's going on here? Why the working class people buy designer gear? <laughs> and rich people are wearing like stuff that was handed down from their great grandfather. Is that how they became rich? Rich people never buy a pint either. Anyway, but that's another story. So of course, I've got, I mean, it's just incredible that, that Zahawi would have thought, did, what, did he just think that this will never come up? Like, you know, you're know not guy that's just shagging his way around, like, a conference at work, you know, his party conference overseas. Uh, Steve, you shag three women on this conference. Does it cause you any concern? No, nah, nah, no, I just don't see it coming up. I don't see it coming up. Nadeem, uh you're, you're Chancellor right now, and uh, you've got some big tax issues. You know, you might not have done anything illegal, but do you, do you see this problem being a... No, 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 just Chancellor, mate. It's just, you know what I mean? I've just... Just, I'm just a person like anyone else. Yeah, but your fine was three million quid. Well, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative. And just briefly, um, the S- it does seem to have been a week of politicians doing and saying mad shit because Nicola Sturgeon, in an interview with uh, Laura Koonsberg, said briefly that, um, because she was sort of being challenged about, well, if you can self-identify at 16, how come you can't drink until you're 18 or, you know, certain other things you can't do until you're 18? And then in this interview, somewhat incredibly she goes uh she goes um yeah you know you know we might have to might have to look at that laura you know maybe people should be drinking at 16 in pubs and you could just I, I thought, what are you, are you are you all right i mean like, i know that you're big on this trans thing but to support that position are you now saying that scotland <laughs> which has like one of the worst you know particularly certain parts of scotland life expectancy issues alcohol dependency issues are you are you really saying that and then it got it got shared on bbc Politics And, in, in you know, just full transparency, I'm not one of these people that just clips out the end of a clip before the other detail comes in. She did then come out and say, no, that is not what I think. But you think, well, yeah, but, you know, equally, there have been Tory politicians that have said things that have been taken as kind of gospel, which weren't, you know, I mentioned last week about Rishi Sunak, apparently he'd said... That he's going to take money from poor areas in London and give it to rich people, which he didn't really say. Anyone serious in politics knows that he didn't say it, but it's stuck, you know. And and briefly, if you if in a, if in a big interview uh, with Laura Koonsberg, you say something daft, it's gonna it's gonna do the rounds. Okay, just a quick thank you and a fuck you before we get into the chat with uh, Neil Delamere. Uh, thank you to the Holiday Inn Junction 15 of the M6. What a hotel that is. What a hotel! Fifty to sixty quid a night. It's got a gym and a swimming pool, and it's got. I love the fact you just turn off the motorway. There's the fucking hotel. Do you know what I mean? Don't end up driving and end up on some weird industrial estate. It's right there. It's right there. That's. I'm such a road warrior. That the the gentle hum of the M6 is what gets me. I was gonna say gets me off. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Gets me to sleep. Got to be a weird kink if I was uh, into the M6. Uh, but it's it's near Stoke. And it's got they've got they've got the um, sort of uh, pictures up of Stoke's most famous people. There are six pictures. Uh, one of them's Robbie. Two of them are Lemmy. And I, th- I think one of them is just the guy that works at the hotel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I-, I recommend it. It's got a swimming pool. Did I mention that? This isn't an advert, by the way. I'm just a fucking idiot that advertises shit hotels that I like. And the fuck you is is getting two trains cancelled. I finished my gigs on Saturday in London. Pegged it up to uh, St Pancras and not one cancelled but two cancelled and of course it is i think this is laid down in the magna carta but it's my constitutional duty to then get pissed i mean what else are you going to do okay let's get into the chat with the brilliant neil delamere Okay, making is what most people think debut is uh, the comic Neil Delamere. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks a billion. Um, I was going to say the Irish comic. Do you get that, that people have to sort of prefix it? It doesn't really need that, does it?
1: I don't think it needs that. What what you do get is, you know when you're doing a TV show and they go comedian Jeff Norcott, and then Mm. you're on with somebody who is of comparable kind of profile to you, they never go actor... Somebody, somebody, or garden, somebody, somebody, but they always say comedian for some reason in front of us. Maybe I think it's useful context. <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with that mentally ill man? Oh no, he's he's meant to be a comedian. That's what it is. Yeah, something went wrong when he was a kid, and he has to talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't he wasn't given enough uh, hugs, and uh, and now he acts out all the time for money. I, I mean, I. I've
0: got, I mean, if we're going to deal with sort of stereotypes, I was thinking about something before we started this this podcast. So I've been lucky enough to work a fair bit in Ireland, or certainly compared to my previous career. There is a thing with going to a pub in Ireland, this is also true in, in Northern Ireland as well, is that it always feels like an event. Why is that? Is, it, is that something you're <laughs> conscious of? Because you work a lot in England as well. You go to a pub in Ireland, you just think, God,
1: I, of course I'd be, I'd be at the pub every fucking day if it felt like this back home. Uh, are they different are pubs different well i think you see as far as i'm aware in england uh, breweries often own pubs don't they yeah. and so so that would kind of drive the model away from your local if you know what i mean and and mm. going down the pub and chatting to somebody that you might know and it being more of a kind of collegious collaborative um event I don't know. Is it an event? I don't know. Collegiate remember- and
0: collaborative is a great way of describing it. That is how I feel. Is like I feel when I'm in a, a, a pub, like after we did a recent episode of the Blame Game and I was everyone was just like, we'll just have a, a pint. Just have a pint. Yeah. I in mean, the Crown. That, we went to the Crown, didn't we? Yeah. I know. Just, I'm
1: staying here. Everyone's talking. It feels, like, it feels like we're working towards something. I don't know what, but something. <laughs> I think there's... Um, I think generally the differences between England and Ireland, um, a lot of the time... Culturally, are to do with population, so uh, like y- you will probably know somebody if you live in a place that has kind of five million people versus a place that has sixty-five million people. That changes everything. Mm. That really does yeah. change. So it changes. Um, I think one of the things that changes is how harsh somebody is online. A lot of the time, I think there's an inbuilt thing in a smaller country where we think that we might accidentally meet the person and we don't even necessarily think that consciously but it, it, the, the anonymity is not quite the same if you're in a massive um 60 or 70 million people bubble versus a kind of a five million people bubble and that probably spills over into the pubs because it, it does feed into everything you know I, I guess you you mentioned about the breweries
0: as well is that a lot of pubs as, as people you know a lot of people uh, in England will know is that is that they're named after the proprietor as well so even that in itself. You know, you have like a, a surname is the name of the pubs. That's that's like a massive cultural drinking difference, isn't it?
1: Oh, I love that. But that's the thing I love about Ireland. I lo- I lo- and I like it in Scotland as well. I don't want to go into a wine bar and get a stock tip from somebody. I want to go into, at least have a bit about this. You want to go into a rural pub in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And then, you know, there's some owl out at the end of the bar. And he's just, hmm. he's indeterminate. age. He's the age of a dolman or a Greenland shark or the Magna <laughs> Carter or something. And he's just... He's, he's smoking a pipe made out of his own leg and he just tell you about the time he met a mermaid they're the people I want to talk to these these like he he probably owns 700 acres of farmland or he could be homeless or he, he literally have <laughs> may have a fairy fort on his land and has spent the morning communing with nature uh, I just like that kind of wildness in wild places and I think I know it's a stereotype, but you hopefully you could kind of get that more in rural Irish pubs than you would get in a city centre Coventry uh, boozer. Yeah,
0: know? I would say that maybe that's the difference is the kind of vibe that you get in an English rural pub is the vibe that you would get in, a, in a, an Irish city centre pub, if you know what I mean. And, right? And it's it's sort of it's sort of like the same principle. And I don't know if Ireland has but does does Ireland have like like
1: Yateses and and all bar ones and those sort of chains. And we have some chains, all right, but like, like Weatherspoons wouldn't be a thing here yet. There's, it, mm. there's a couple of places I think they have. So we're not, it's, it's, it's still kind of owner occupier, generally speaking, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I wrote an article recently, um, and and I mentioned that I'd I'd uh, lost my bank card, and when I went to Ireland, I was like, well, I've got to find a NatWest, and uh, and it didn't have a NatWest, and then so in the article, I said I had to concede that uh, the island may well be a separate country with its own distinct economic culture, and do you, how much do you think people get fooled into because of because of the shared. Um, language right we speak the same language broad yeah you, know, mm. you know statistically um most people do and and that and you know we like some of the same football you because you, they often talk about you know the difference between england and america between you know being separated by two languages right so they, but yeah you know Ireland's a lot closer and, and and just the the experience of having worked there more recently makes me go oh <laughs> shit it's so much more and it's not that i wasn't aware of irish history and all that sort of stuff but Just culturally, it's so different. I mean, you work across... You probably work more in England than I've worked in Ireland. Is that something that
1: you become more aware of as you've got older? Well, you see, Andrew Maxwell has a great um, analogy for this. The valve only goes one way. You see... You in the UK aren't educated in the same about us in the same way we're educated about you. And traditionally, you haven't had the same uh, uh, immigration and emigration mm-hmm. patterns. Obviously, you didn't come here as much. Although the largest uh, population of anybody living in Ireland who were originally from elsewhere are British people. Um, but we get your TV. We get your uh, music we get your radio stations we get a lot more, of your brands um, and we know the difference between england ireland scotland wales northern ireland what's gb what's uk what's yeah. gb and ni Um, and you're just not taught until very recently anywhere you're just not taught that in school so you do get we are constantly amazed by how little people in the big island, as Colin Murphy uh, calls it. Uh, how how little they know about this part of the world. Considering it's fifty or sixty miles away. You I mean know? Yeah. I mean also, I was literally don't like, go fucking out west. I mean, I
0: was like, what's going on? Like, I mean, and I was laughing I was I was <laughs> yeah. laughing at myself because own... I knew I knew it was a ridiculous yeah. presumption, but but it was only
1: yeah. when like like faced with something like that it, it, it occurred to me. It was always fun watching an American comic come over and say "Do the Laughter Lounge," right, and be mm. absolutely storming. I mean, absolutely ripping it. You know, if he if he ends now and says "Thank you very much, good night," he will walk or probably be carried shoulder high from the gig. Mm. And then he will go, it's bad. Anyway, I'm loving this gig. It's great to be here in the UK. And that'd be it. That'd be <laughs> it, uh, Jeff. He couldn't get it back. It's does no matter what he did. And the audience would immediately know it and immediately let him know it. Um, no, it is a distinct, yeah. uh, a distinct, uh, different, uh, culturally different country than uh, than the UK. And uh, if anything has evidenced that in the last few years, it's kind of the, the, uh, appreciation or non-appreciation of Europe in the last few years, you know.
0: Well, yeah, and, and also
1: we've completely we've completely decoupled from from the UK in terms of our. If you look at our it's our exports in the kind of fifties, everything was sent to the UK, and in mm. in it, it's now like nine or ten percent or something of exports. So there's been a lot of change here, both culturally and um societally, in the last fifty or sixty years. It's been well, that's phenomenal. What... A lot of people don't realise
0: is obviously Ireland has this. Let's call it a competitive corporation tax, right? I mean, it's we're talking like you know twelve and a half percent, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's not quite. Is it quite Singapore level? But I mean, it,
1: it is an incredibly low, even by a sort of Central European standards. Yeah, it's not that low. There'll be kind of It's going to go up to fifteen, and there's lots of other when you add in different um, what can be written off and all the rest. But yeah, it is pretty low. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been very successful in terms of attracting head offices to Dublin and, and, and other parts of Ireland. And then you also look, you know, it's just a lot of things that English people aren't aware of is the fact that people and correct me if I'm wrong in Ireland, but I can't remember. Is it doctor's appointments people sort of pay? Is it a, t- a token fee for? And 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 I, th- I think that blow people's minds because I think the, the the presumption here is well, whatever it is in Ireland, it, it, it's it's going to be pro- probably more like what we consider the NHS to be, probably more comprehensive in cover. And and it's just it's just those little nuggets of information. That I, just, I think past people
1: buy it well, I don't know what it is I think what people would be surprised by in the UK it Would be um, the inequality levels in the UK Versus the inequality levels here And the disposable income levels here uh, Ireland is richer than the UK uh, On average And our, our poorest um, People are not in, in a very What's the phrase I'm looking for In the very um, The lowest the low socioeconomic group here would have more disposable income than the lowest uh, socioeconomic group in the UK. And um, um, I think that is a a huge surprise to people who would still have a sort of a colonial... 1950s 1960s view of the country next door you know what the uh, bloody the, hell has gone on now i mean jesus yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the eu membership really has and mm. and, all, and those american corporations has revolutionized the economy here and the society here you know but on the other side of that is what we i would be slightly nervous about Um, is a huge amount of our corporate tax take would be from five or six big multinational companies. So if they were to exit, well, then I think the exchequer would be in serious trouble. Well,
0: well, luckily for you, your nearest neighbor is jacking up its
1: corporation tax. So that just, which I found. Hooray! (laughs) Yeah, you're part of the anti-growth coalition. That's what this is, Jeff. That's what I, this is. The Conservative is. government has become part of the anti-growth coalition. I mean, there <laughs> was. I thought that she was having a go at the fact that he's five foot six or seven. I think that's what Liz <laughs> Truss was trying to say about Rishi, that he was against the anti-growth, he was anti-growth from that point of view. I was I was saying about him the other day, it's like, as Prime Minister,
0: it shouldn't, being young shouldn't be a problem, and being short shouldn't be a problem. But being young and short, it does
1: feel like a problem, doesn't it? <laughs> You're allowed one of the two, but not both. Is that it? I I thought it was was quite interesting when he was in the hustings and he went to uh, Northern Ireland and he was very much setting out a stall and he went, uh, hello, my fellow Britons, right? And I thought, okay, so he's obviously playing the orange card there rather than the green card, which Mm. I thought was unusual given that he had a green card until fairly recently. (laughs) You
0: talk about like like historical kind of uh, closeness or, or, or the thawing of, of certain hostilities. And I remember at the 2012 Olympic Games when uh, Nicola Adams um, won a gold. I think it was then when they did the, the, uh, the Irish contingent, they were chanting Nicola and stuff. And you just
1: think, God, fucking, it is. I mean, is it, must it, is it strange? That's like, the Katie was, Taylor yeah. Olympics, by the way. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if other people won other medals, but that's the Katie Taylor Olympics. Is that and how it's That's, known? All, we're, that's <laughs> all we're interested in.
0: Is it, I mean, is it like, because we were, we were growing up, we sort of saw, it's almost like the internet, right? I, I think we're a similar age, maybe I'm a bit older than you, I mean we're roughly a similar a sort of vintage, and, and, yep. and in the same way that we knew the bit just before the internet, and then we know the bit after the internet, and in terms of like like the kind of worst of the, of the troubles and stuff like that, we know both sides, is there, a, is there a sort of point in Ireland where they're generationally, there's a generation who know the history but just do not have like the baggage, like or the same kind of baggage?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose you're talking about Ireland. Are you talking about Northern Ireland? Or are you ta- like oh, well, so, you're, very... so
0: you're you're Irish, you're like Southern Ireland. So i was just thinking. I'm England. from the Republic. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience here, but like the the the, the ignorance of Northern Ireland and the troubles is uh, is 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 quite big here. I think. I think, um, and I think a lot. I remember I did this. <laughs> I did a tourism campaign once for Northern Ireland because I work there a lot and uh, mm. I'm from the Republic and um or from Ireland, whichever way you want to say it. And um, and I was I was very surprised by how many people had actually been over the border from here. And it, w- it wasn't as many as you would think. Like I hadn't been to, to the north until I was 17 or 18 because it, like you went shopping to Dublin because I lived close to Dublin. You wouldn't mm. necessarily go up, uh, up above there. So um, I do think Looking in, I think there's a new generation since 1998, since the Good Friday Agreement. I think there's a generation there of uh, people in the middle. I think they have grown up uh, with peace. I think they don't ever want to return to that. I think people down here don't ever want to return to that. Um, I mean, what you see, I think the general narrative in, in the North is that the SDLP and the EUP and David Trimble and John Hume, kind of were architects of the peace process. And then they, as the middle ground parties, let, lost out to the people further to the right and further to the left of them, yeah, shall yeah. we say, so to Sinn Féin on one side and to DUP on the other side. So um, I don't. I, I think people don't ever want to go back to what happened before. And Does I it think, feel like, is it
0: maybe, you know, like where there's a I had no awareness
1: of a grown-up, you see. I had no awareness of a grown-up, really, except... Uh, I, I know it was only 60 miles up the road, but you're watching the TV and literally, literally you know... it, it you you might as well have lived in 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 Wales as in the Republic in, in terms of how it would affect you physically. You didn't. Have, right. There was no British army in the streets. There was no. There was only, as as far as I know, there was only two um, bombs down here in the entire entirety of the troubles, the Dublin and Monaghan mm. bombings. So it, it, it was an alien place, and yet it was not an alien place. Do you know what I mean? No, and, no, and I mean- that's. I'm, I'm only speaking from my own experience there. I I mean I wonder if it's like
0: because I've got some I mean and you have to bear with me a little bit. Here. Uh, he's he's got some gay mates and they were the generation where coming out was still like quite a big deal. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. And 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 you think the difference between kind of coming out then and coming out now and there's not there's some there's some level of intergenerational kind of like you don't know what it was like the 80s gays that was the those were the toughest (laughs) (laughs) gays. the OGs the OGs and yeah I just just wonder I mean maybe this is the like you say that's something that's that's more so uh, uh, an issue in in the north I mean there are there are those little things that you have to pad around I don't know if you remember when I did the blame game recently um, Hmm. I was just kind of like when we when we sat to do the sound check I was just saying right okay i want to say something can somebody I was going. so i'm gonna say the mainland and everybody went no 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 don't say (laughs) it and i was like that is exactly why i'm doing this so i lost the respect to the crew but i i i I didn't half the crew
1: yeah half (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it is It's, it's it it is nuanced it is it is a very specific and uniquely uh a unique place in that like and, and, and be, since I've done the blame game, I've learned much more about it. So, I mean, stuff you might not know, like language is loaded there, you know. Um, mm. Sinn Féin never says Northern Ireland, for example. They say the north of Ireland. And a yeah. lot of nationalists would say the north of Ireland. Um, and that is, you know, there's a, I don't want to recognize the, the state the, the original gerrymandered state, uh, and that would, is where that would come from. So, I mean, you have an ironic situation where you could have a Sinn Féin first minister of a place that she won't say, which is kind of <laughs> kind of bizarre, you know. <laughs> and um, then people would call Ulster Ulster, but Ulster to me is nine counties, but Ulster, people use Ulster interchangeably for Northern Ireland, which is six counties, yeah, yeah. And, you know. So it's it, it is very uh, it is very detailed and. Uh, they are signifiers of. Um, uh, they are signifiers of a certain approach and a certain attitude. So people are always listening out for them. In my experience, there. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, I've always tried to interchangeably use things to annoy everybody. That that, that is my, that is my key. You know. But is, isn't it? Is there a point to which we? You know. Like uh, the audience for the blame game, which
0: we'll get into in a sec. It's a great show, but but they would look at a guy like me, and they probably expect me to say the wrong thing. I look like the guy, yeah. the exact guy to go fuck it. Well, I don't fuck it. You know? So so I sometimes wonder if it's worth just leaning into it rather than you know the worst thing I think it's like in it, it It's not in a way like this, but not like this. But back in the noughties when you did gigs up north as a southerner, the north south thing was still more of an issue. So yeah. I saw a lot of uh, comics from London would go to Manchester and go, you know, it's like a really great city, and you know it's. Really really cool how you know go look that you're not be they don't think you'll be yeah. your true self it's much easier yeah. to just lean go into, into fucking
1: fucking hell some of your houses cost more than 100 grand you know it's yeah. much <laughs> i think i think you're right and lots of us i think they they, they they don't expect you to know and then if you lean into that and then well i think the worst thing you can do in that situation anybody including me going to somewhere different is that um trying to get it right and getting it wrong and then not admitting that you've gotten it wrong. Do you know, like yeah, that yeah. is... Uh, whereas you're much more likely to go... If you say something wrong and they go, ooh, and you go, well, I don't fucking know, do I? It's unbelievably complicated. Yeah, I yeah. think they absolutely respect that. A hundred percent. you
0: go, oh, oh, fucking hell. I remember, I remember why I, I used to... I stepped on a landmine there. You go, that's probably not the right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just think that you, <laughs> what you can do there as well as is... I, I think when you do something like the blame game uh, So people haven't seen it, it's a panel show Based on BBC, Northern Ireland um, Is you, what you, first of all What you don't understand, you can ask questions about And at, yeah. at the very least You'll get laughs from going I, I have no idea, or, or then just Restating what somebody else said, hold on So the Sinn Féin Minister is saying she's not going to name the play-? That's a bit, so you get in, You yeah, kind yeah. of can You can generate your own momentum from playing The outsider because you don't know what's going on, you know what I mean I think one the blame game, you, you can get points for that sort of uh, approach. And you also can do every bit of material you've ever done because, you know, we're not going to stop you. We've been on this for so long that we want other people to come on and, and do as well as they can. You know, it's not a competitive thing.
0: It's a, it's a great show. I, I mean, it's a huge show uh, in uh, the North slash Northern Ireland and. <laughs> <slash Ulster laughs> the slash... boys learning. <laughs> uh, it is. And, and it is, you know, what, what's, it's such a properly funny show. That's what I think, is you've got just incredibly funny regular panel of yourself, uh, Giona and Colin, and, and with Tim hosted. Properly funny people, not overly complicated, just here's stories about the news and people um, just cracking. And you guys, like it's watched by so many people, such a big popular... What, what percentage of the watching audience watch it? In, oh, well,
1: like? well over 30% audience share, yeah. Which That's is kind of crazy massive, in, the, yeah. in the modern era, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I learned a lot. Like, one is that... Everyone finds Lurgan funny. I don't know even
1: know where Lurgan is. What what's the deal with Lurgan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as far as I know, I mean, I only know it on a couple of mm. <laughs> on a couple of shallow levels. Uh, Buckfast is is pretty uh, heavily um, imbibed in, in Lurgan would be the stereotype, right. okay. and uh, I think the lads just use it as a, as a place that's a hardy town. That's all.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, I suppose there's sometimes when you go to a gig and a touring show, you go, what's the local, what's yeah. the Lurgan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, one of the things that was interesting last time I was on it was that they'd done a mega a mega poll about essentially the border poll. And, and, and it just sort of, some of the things that came out of that really flew in the face of what people might think here, particularly metropolitan liberals. I think that, you know, they presume that since Brexit, that... that sort of Ireland, uh, you know, sort of unifying is now becoming an immediate inevitability that's probably going to happen in the next six weeks. And then all these stats came out of it, which which suggested that it's, well, it's a long, much further off than that, if, you know, if at all. And and then also was there's this thing where there are Catholics living in, in Northern Ireland that, that do not want to unify. There are uh, Protestants that do want to unify. I mean, it's
1: much more complicated, isn't it, than than people would perceive here in England. Um. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not an expert on this sort of stuff, but what I would say is, um, I mean, it, it is, it's is—it's one poll and uh, there are other polls that would suggest that um, it's a bit more likely. Um, what does come across in all the polls is, is that the people in the Republic... Uh, pretty much always vote in high numbers uh, for unification. So that's always mm. above, you know, that's touching 70% usually, as far as, far as I know. Um, but no, absolutely, there is a, you don't necessarily, I, I tell you what, I think this is the way I would describe it. The people who would identify as nationalist and Irish in Northern Ireland, um. That Venn that circle, used to be completely over the circle of people who would vote for United Ireland tomorrow. Whereas mm. now, I think there's a kind of a separate Venn diagram. If you know what I mean, just because you are a nationalist doesn't mean necessarily that you would vote for United Ireland tomorrow. That's the thing that's probably evident from those mm. polls. And um, broadly speaking, my feeling though is that Brexit would make it um, m- make it more likely. Because, oh well, yeah, yeah, more more
0: likely. But I suppose the idea that we've been sold by. I guess the more remaining side here that want to sort of highlight the fact they think is a mistake is that not not just more likely, but that it's been brought so
1: close that it's it's kind of um, imminent. And it was yeah that it was I think it's, like... I think yeah I think it's I think it's more likely. I think Sinn Féin are going to be the first minister if they can sort out the Northern Ireland mm. protocol, and I think the Taoiseach of Ireland is going to be Sinn Féin as well. They're certainly going to push for a, a border poll in in the next while. And um, mm. what they've learned from Brexit, I think, is if there is a border poll, there will be like a citizens assembly before it so you have to figure out what you're voting on. Mm. I certainly think that it it has created more talk about the United Ireland than there ever has been pre-brexit mm. that's certainly one thing but I think what you say is it is valid that it's 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 not imminent in any way shape or form I, I don't think. Okay, just
0: uh, breaking into chat. I hope you're enjoying the conversation uh, with Neil, by the way. Do check out all his social media. Give him a follow, etc. Um, We've got some new patrons here. There's quite a few, so I'm going to have to rattle through these a little bit. We've got James Hardwick. James Hardwick. You just sound like a good-looking rugby player. Plays for salaries. But for the bar bars. I know every time I take the piss out of rugby fans, I, I do get kicked back. James Hardwick. Harders, yeah. Jeffrey Barnard. Jeffrey Barnard. What do you what do, Jeffrey do, Barnard? Do you sell... You're not a state. Yeah, yeah. You're a country estate agent. We only at uh, Jeffrey Barnard handle properties in excess of uh, seven figures. Jeff- Jeffrey Barnard. Yeah, we uh, we take a fuckload of commission as well because we're Jeffrey Barnard and uh, we only have handle properties only. Uh... Yeah, we just had a lovely place come on. Actually, it used to be owned by uh... used to be owned by an oligarch. Yeah, uh, Alexander Tain Tain T H E I N. Tane. <laughs> Has anyone ever taken a piss out of you for that? That's how. I, that's all If I was a teacher and I was reading out the register, I would. Have, I would have just rinse that every time. Alexander Tane. Um, Gary Davies, most English name in living history. Gary Davies. Gazadaza. Gazadaza. You got, You still got a Ford Capri. That's how fucking 1980s English. Your name is Alex Findlow. Alex Findlow. The Findlows. You're not a real family, are you? It's fucking made up by. You sound like someone made up by Enid Blyton, um, and then we have got a couple of ladies. I think somebody has uh, also edited up their pledge. Rachel Cooper, thank you for buying your own round. Rachel it is appreciated by the men of Britain, and uh, Ellen Richard, Ellen Richard. Uh, so thank you all for your support. I hope you're enjoying uh, the special Iron Blaving appearance. As I say, look out for the dates that are going to come. The new tour, the dates are going to be up at the end of January. If you're a patron or mailing list subscriber, you get first refusal. You get a 48-hour window to buy your tickets and buy the exact tickets that you want. And, and then it'll go on general sale uh, in early February. I can't wait to get back out there. All right, let's let's uh, let's get back to the chat with Neil Delamere. I mean, you on on the blame game. You're you're so. I mean, and you're you know on panel shows, on the news quiz and stuff like that, fighting talk as well. You're such a quick witted comic. Now that may I might may, may just be doing that thing with a comic of you going thinking I, I write the fuck out of these things. You know what I mean? Like, but, <laughs> but, but, but you know, like you're known as like God. That you know, if you're on a panel show, with that guy he's always going to come with loads of stuff. Like in, in terms of um, like you're great on panel shows. In terms of your stand up, I was just wondering on a pure comedy level, is do you get like. Do you get kind of bored quickly with your gear? Because you're obviously able to turn it over. Because I write a fair bit. I don't think I write as much as you. But one thing I've always had is six months. I'm like, right, let's got to talk about something else. So are you restless in that way?
1: Um, Again, I think that's a function of population. I think I have to tour all the time. Uh, yeah. So I have to have a new show in in... A, a year I suppose you go back to the same place a year later I did get a little bit bored but you know sometimes you you know when you write a bit and you go oh it's not finished that's not finished that. I'm only going to get this finished when I tour it and I just do it and do it and, mm. do it and do it and do it and then you do it and you get to the end of your tour and then it's kind of gone you're like Rawr. I oh I feel a bit bad about that now. Uh, there's two parts of my brain working on things when when we do news quiz together or we do blame game or something. You know, it's topical and it's transitory and it's it's um you know there's definitely certain things when you're comfortable on a show like the blame game that you go sometimes you go I just don't have much this week and you know you'll wing something good because you're familiar with the other participants and you know you can hmm. bounce off something and you can there's a bit more of um have you noticed it on that show I know I'm getting a bit distracted but have you noticed that, that show we kind of allow all sorts of laughs. So we allow, or the audience allows us all sorts of laughs. So you can do an impression. You can do an act out. You can do a, you know what I mean? Whereas I always think on the news quiz, for example, you they love a bit of improv, but they also like jokes, written jokes. They don't necessarily go for um Almost like that old '80s idea of, can you imagine if X, Y, and Z happened? They don't necessarily go for that. Was interesting.
0: I did the news difference. quiz um, just this week gone, and it was in the, it was in a different venue and stuff, which is more like the older punters were a lot closer to you, and there was definitely felt like there was more of an appetite appetite for for that, you know. Yeah. And that is that is one thing, you know, the people listening to this podcast might be interested in is that it's still a gig, these things. You know, it's not just like being a TV audience isn't a homogenous thing. So if you record a panel show in the north of England, that's going to be different to one in London, different even yeah. to one in Pinewood, very, you know, very different to one in, in Belfast. I mean, and yeah, I, like I, I do in the blame game, it's one of the few ones where I just, if a, a bit of club material comes into my head, I think jealous. I'll just fucking say it, you know. and. Yeah. and
1: uh, we're not precious about where the laugh comes from as long as the, the gear is good I, I i sometimes look at something like have i got news for you and i think I, I see people who are brilliant who i know are brilliant in real life and they go on it and um I, almost the atmosphere of that show seems to um Encourage them not to try too hard or something. There's, there, there seems to be a laugh that is encouraged, which is a kind of rye, sardonic laugh. But if you almost acted something out or or did something that was a bit of club material, like you said, that jumped into your head. I, I almost think that um the vibe of that show would count against that. You know, I I, I think people would probably find it interesting that there's different types of laughs. So like if I did f- my impression of uh, Donkey and Shrek. Yeah. Really mean Quality always rises to the top I mean there's always going to be uh, exceptions That is absolute gold no matter where you do it I mean oh. I would do that during the Taking the oath of office if I was the president I mean you know that's, Which that, you, you know, I, I was that's doing something recently
0: and I did a, um, I did an impression of uh, Donkey from Shrek right. uh, and it was with a younger comic and they were like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. And I, I did not know why the fuck that was. I, I was just, I don't understand what's happening. It's because Eddie Murphy is a black man and I was doing the voice uh, of a black guy and they were like, you, you, I don't think you should do that. I was like, I, in my mind, I'm very much doing an impression of Donkey, the animated talking donkey. from the Shrek Shrek franchise of films. I thought, wow. You know, like there's sometimes, you know, like there's a characterisation of of Woke where people say, well, you don't know what you can say anymore. And I think that that sometimes gets overdone. But I really felt like my mum and dad staring back at me. You know, when you told your mum and dad off when you was younger? I literally walked out. I bought a copy of the Daily Express. I was that confused. I was just like, I don't... (laughs) Put on a cardigan, some lovely chinos, where or there's originals, Watched Murder, She Wrote? But I mean, you know, well, I mean, I imagine that in the, in the Telegraph. I mean, it would be a hard one to stir up a moral panic about. It's like, you can't even do an impression of Donkey from Shrek now. I don't know if that's got quite the, ca- the cachet or purchase. Oh, oh I think problem. they'd
1: give it a go, though. I mean, it's the Telegraph. I think they'd give it a go. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's interesting that there's different types of laughs at different shows. So like you've done fighting talk. You have to write a if you're writing a line there talk. or a joke. Have you not? I'm pretty no. sure you've done. Pro- producer uh, of fighting
0: talk if you, if you listen, no no never. I mean I've done other stuff with Colin but you know I'll get there.
1: But, Don't worry about that. But you but you know okay well it, it's it's about Colin in some ways. It's do you know when you're doing something and it's only to one person? Mm. Uh, there isn't another person in the room. Y- you can't write a joke that goes did boom. You kind of have mm. to write a joke that catches them by surprise. You kind of have to get them on the way to the punchline. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm.
1: I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you're I teasing think, the you have...
0: idea of like, oh, did I, I just did a joke? By accident?
1: What do you think of that? Exactly. So then, yeah. if the person isn't listening, or because sometimes they're, you know, they're looking at how long they've got left, or they're going to cue a song or whatever, it, it doesn't, it doesn't land flat. So you always have to almost have to go buy it and then come back to it. So um, I think there's different types of jokes for different types of occasions, weirdly. But to get back to the original point, I try and write stand up that as stories that I have to tour because I want it to last for six months or, or, or the year. And then when I'm doing yeah. blame game, I suppose you can talk about big things. And if the story is big enough, you don't have to frame it. You, you just can talk about it, you know so the, the the mechanics of touring because again and i I'm, I'm i'm sorry to keep going back
0: to this about how little we understand but the amount of the population of of ireland that's made up by dublin and and the surrounding areas is such a big mm. percentage how how does that affect the national touring dynamic i mean does that mean that you you like you do probably do loads of stuff in and around greater dublin or, but do you go so I bet you bit what i'm guess i'm saying is you bit must be in some fucking out there places do you know what i mean like places that feel remote and uh, on the west
1: coast and I've been to a few of those places. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of um, (laughs) um, next stop America. But no, I mean, like every 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 town has a, you know, 300 seat theater or whatever it is. Well, every every county. So I'll do probably um, 60, 70 dates maybe and I'll do the ice yeah. hockey arena in Belfast and I'll do the kind of vicar streets in Dublin and the cork and the Galway and all the rest so um but it's 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 and then you do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I've done Australia and I do I might do I'll do a, a date and a little date in England in in London and a little date in Glasgow but um yeah I've been to some strange places I mean the weirdest gig I've done is probably a prison I thought that was very where, where, where was that in Mountjoy Mount prison in Dublin yeah um. With uh do you know Willie? Do you know Willie Weiss? I know the name. Yeah, Willie. Yeah. So Willie uh, was in Manchester Prison as a prisoner, and then he um organized some gigs there after he got out. Years after he got out, when he got into stand up, and he asked me to do it, and uh, he got on stage and he was heckled by his former cellmate. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know? I, do you know Charlotte Regan? Yes I do yeah, yeah. So Charlotte Regan Very, uh, very funny man very, uh, But quite gentle on stage I think we would both mm. agree Quite charming Quite gentle yeah, yeah. And he's on stage And there's all these lads Sitting in the back And uh, the front row is empty The front row of chairs is empty And he goes why, are that, why is that front row empty And the guy is reading the sun And he just puts down the sun And he looks at Charlotte And he goes Oh those chairs are for the riot And he puts the paper back up again <laughs> 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 And Charlotte goes The colour like Pure white And I'm looking at Willie going, is that happening? He's going, no, he's going to take the piss. And then I get on and uh, his, I only knew how to handle this. I have to be honest, because I asked Willie. I said to Willie, I says, if I get heckled or anything, do I just be a little bit aggressive and slag off the cops? And he went, that's exactly what you do. So I get on and um, your man, his former cellmate heckles me as well. And Mm. he shouts something. And I said, something stupid, like you've nearly a bigger mouth as your sister. And my God, it wasn't clever, but my God, Jeff, that was effective. That was Amazing. unbelievably effective.
0: Um, well, I uh, I did some gigs for the the forces, and I did I did one in. Um... In Afghanistan, that was in like it was a forward base, and it was like I was I, I, I was struggling at the beginning, right? So, and this is really brutal. This is something you know, like comics. We sometimes bring out that the the punters see the worst of us because we're desperately oh, trying you. to get lost. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna really make myself look worse here, but I will tell the story. He's um he's there was a guy at the front, and um did you do an impression of a donkey? He <laughs> he didn't have the best. He, I, I'd imagine there wasn't a good dentist near him as a kid. All right, let's okay. put it that way. And um, I said. I said something, I said, let's have a whip round, buy this prick a visit to the orthodontist. I said, it was, yeah, I know you're right. Is he heckling even- Yeah. Um, not really, not really. I was being a bully. I was being a bully, Neil, and and so I I then was like got the laugh back in the game. Didn't really think about the ethics of what I'd done, and then I finished the gig, and then the uh, the garrison sergeant major was like, you know, one of these kind of guys, quite impressive the way they talk. He said, um, you know, I got to say, I think, was, I think it was a bit rough the way you um, you climbed into uh, Smith there with with the tea thing, and I thought I'm getting told off for going too far in a war zone. I think that is that's not necessarily so i wanted to have he's going to me and this is this is squaddies the whole gig was towards Squaddies. so, so i went and uh, uh, apologized apologized to the guy but i think you're right like prisons armies uh, like army situations you
1: get more macho you know in that situation because you're trying to fight fire with fire right yeah there is yeah i mean yeah it's a well you've all you've had many gigs where it's it's, it's kind of survival it's a weird it's a weird like all the dynamics of Everything changes when they know you, when they don't know you, because it's all about um, like we essentially do a job where we stand on a stage, pretend that we don't need people to laugh. We don't need mm. you to laugh, but we do need them to laugh. And uh, but when when you are well known and they go and see a Jeff Norcos show, well, then things are different. They, they come and you are starting at five out of ten. You're not starting at zero out of ten. You haven't you don't have to convince anybody you stand in front of a hundred squaddies or a hundred prison officers or a hundred prisoners and they don't know who you are uh, i i mean the, the there's a weird the seniority in the room is weird the status yeah, is yeah. different it's entirely different whether people know you or don't know you but that's one of the reasons i like playing a gig in a club gig in in london somewhere where maybe they don't know who you are where you know you, you're not touring there you don't have you haven't done as much tv in the uk as you have done in ireland because you know what happens then you find out if the joke is good yeah that's what you do you find, if a joke works in front of people who don't know you at a club it, and you can be bloody sure it'll work. In a theatre, when people mm. know you and are paying, I
0: mean money. that is club comedy. Is that is in a way what makes it so exciting? Because yeah, you've got this twenty minute bit, and you have to both establish yourself. You have to get them on side in like a minute, more or less. I mean, if you, you can pull gigs back, you can have a slow start, but it might be deliberate. If you haven't really got them on side in a minute, it, it could be it could be difficult. I had a gig on, on on Friday night in London, and it was I was doing three gigs, and then the middle one it's about a minute and a half in. And I hadn't really got a proper laugh. I was going, and you Ooh. you go. It's tonight. Time. Tonight's <laughs> yeah. going to be the night, you know. And you go longer in this game where you don't, as often, have absolute shockers. But, yeah. but I don't know what it is. Even having that thought releases some sort of fight or flight thing. Where I don't know, you end up taking a piss out of some bloke's teeth. But yeah. you know,
1: something <laughs> will happen, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, do you ever see someone? I think sometimes when someone just breaks from being a club comedian to being to to getting some degree of kind of their own tour. I don't know if they're ever going to be sharper than that because you're you're going from a situation Mm. where you've had to convince everybody every night to to suddenly they're there to see you and you are so sharp. And the other thing, uh, the corollary of that, though, is you ever see someone who is a club act who is getting to that point where they're doing their own shows and they do support for someone who's doing it for years but hasn't gigged in ages Mm. and the support just destroys the main act. You, you know, you go to see. There are legendary
0: has- stories, legendary stories of somebody that took uh, a young Peter Kay um, oh. on tour with. The- <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, also, also, I mean, this this will take a bit of local knowledge, but um, but a comic who I mean, I, I could say his name. I don't think I think it's Paddy McGinnis was doing a show in South End and uh, the the support dropped out and then they said Terry Alderton's free. Oh, <laughs> now, I don't oh. know how much you know about Terry. I but know Terry, yeah. I mean he's he, I think he was I think he played for the fucking South End Reserves like he's Mr South End and an absolutely barnstorming act. And you can just imagine. I I did I did a gig in in, in Glasgow um at the Jonglers there. This was just when Kevin Bridges was breaking through and um and so the the, the format of it was was they said, "Well, Kevin's on." They said, "But In the jungler's world. They didn't know who he was. They said, well, we need you to go on after him because, you know, we don't think he's quite there yet. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. So we all knew that Kevin was smashing it. And, um, I mean, he literally, I was watching people from behind the curtain while he's on. People are holding their stomachs laughing because he's, you know, it's him in his city doing references. And then I went out. I was like,
1: all right. (laughs) (laughs) You've never been more London in your entire life.
0: I, I mean, look, I didn't. They didn't. They were very gracious with me. I think even they were able to see what had happened there. But what I did, I, I suppose, I, I occupied the stage. I think is the best way of describing
1: it, <laughs> like a bed blocker in a ward. I <laughs> occupied the space. I mean, I don't know if I did anything useful, but I was there as a presence.
0: Yeah, I did well, my time. The weird,
1: the weird thing is, there's two things. Uh, one of two things happens then. Either. You know, you see you book somebody for a lot of your tour and you go, oh, God, this this person is amazing. I'm never having them mm-hmm. again. Or you go, OK, but I'll book them mm-hmm. next year. I better make sure I'm really, really good. I always thought yeah. that Ed Byrne used to have Andrew Maxwell as uh, his support act and his opening act for a long time. And I always thought fair play to you because Maxwell's Bulls brilliant. And, yeah, Ed yeah. Is, and Ed would then just go, OK, well, he's going to be brilliant. I'm going to have to be brilliant.
0: I think that's fucking mental. I mean, I like this. I like the spirit of it. I'm not having that. It's so sake.
1: Or neither am I. Not. <laughs> <laughs> there no,
0: there, no, there God, is no. that, that. There is that strange thing when you got a support actor. I don't know if the punters know it. there's that feeling of when they're doing well, but when they get an applause break. Yeah, like you. <laughs> how how, how long he done? Stop fucking around with the lights.
1: Cut you're the sound. There, you know the clicker that the bouncer has. You're standing at the back. One, If he gets more than 20 laughs, he's never working for me again. I swear to God. Yeah,
0: it's like it's like your your punters are cheating on you under your fucking nose. <laughs> like, you're you just you're just flirting with the other guys. That how this is.
1: You also got um, um, the podcast as well. How, how long has that been going for now? We've done two series of the podcast and the next series is just about to come out uh, in February. And uh, I do it with a guy called Dave Moore. He's a massive, he's on the most popular radio uh, show here. Mm. Um, and uh, we just don't converse like normal humans, Jeff. We we don't talk mm. to each other in a normal way. We talk ever we meet, we kind of go do you know that on the island of Yap, they use massive rocks as currency? And then he'll say something (laughs) equally ridiculously trivial. And uh, we said, let's just do a podcast with this. So we do, we, one person will lead a podcast one week and he'll do some, talk about some various things he's researched. And in the second half, we have a genuine expert to talk about um, what we want to talk about that week. So like, for example, we talked about, um, Oh, the map in your school when you were a kid, you know, the one on the wall chart, the map of the world, that that's wrong, essentially, right? Mm. And we got a guy from Coast who used to be, he was a geographer and a cartographer and a TV presenter, and he explained why it was wrong. A guy called Jared Mercator came up with it in the 1500s, and he wanted you to be on a compass bearing. and He didn't want the compass bearing to change, but... If you put a 2D, if you put a 3D globe onto a 2D surface, you're going to get distortions. And that's why countries further away from the poles were stretched. That's why we thought Greenland was massive, even though it wasn't. And um, w- so he came on and explained that. And we're, we're just a bit like, Jesus, that's amazing. So it's called, why would you tell me that? And we try and do stuff like that. We try and do stuff about history and about science and anything that interests us. And it's it's an Indulking. excuse to just indulge yourself laughing and learning I mean one of the things I always think is, 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 is I,
0: that's my favourite kind of podcast and one of the things I always think about is, that I find really odd is, is you know like how like the people who live in a country will give it a name and then like other countries will go no it's not yeah. called that so yeah. Scotland in Scotland they call it Scotland but in France they call it Le Cos. and you go yeah. that's what that's not we call Germany Germany but they call it Deutschland at what point I mean fair enough for a while when you weren't really conversing with people there but when you really were interconnected we should have all gone, sorry, we'll just call it what you call it. What, what do you call it? Yeah. But well, we've gone, no, we, we're going to stick, no, we stick with, I mean, I realize we an English man talking about Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, you're on fairly fucking dangerous Very, very
0: fin- nice. But on a, on a national level, like literally going like, yeah, no, we are, I mean, Lecos, I always find that weird, that a, a <laughs> well, weird it, sort of relic.
1: In are in Northern Ireland, you called it ours and we called it ours. So we agreed <laughs> on that in some ways. Yeah, it's, 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 it's Alba in Scottish, uh, Gaelic and Irish and uh, Caledonia yeah. and Lacoste and Scotland. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. But like, if you can figure out why that happened... They're great kind of podcast anecdotes. But also, yeah. in, the, in the first half, we talk about mad stuff. So we had a genuine expert in that particular show, right? But because the original dude was from Flanders, I went off and looked up Belgian facts. And um, I don't know. Do you know they have a statue in Belgium? Uh, it's the mannequin piece. You know, it's a little boy pissing into the fountain. Pissing, the pissing boy. Yeah. yeah. So he has outfits. Do you know this? He has no. over a hundred different outfits that people give him, like countries give him outfits. There's an, out, there's an outfit of him, like the Clancy Brothers, like a folk Irish yeah. singer. Like he has the half and he is the big woolly jumper. He's been dressed as Elvis. He's been dressed as Dracula. It's absolutely awesome, man. It's so weird. It's, it's like something you'd see on Eurotrash. So we try and talk about that mad stuff as well as the historical stuff, you know? It is, uh, it's well worth checking out. And, uh, you know, when you're next back on tour, um, I'm doing a, I'm on tour at the moment here and I'm doing a London yeah. date in the Museum of Comedy and I'm doing a date in the stand in Glasgow and I'm doing gigs all around Ireland, north and south. I mean, obviously so.
0: people like Google, Neil Delamere. Tickets would be the best way. But is it coming through your website? Is that a good way? To yeah, sort neildelamere.com. Sort
1: of it people? Probably the best yeah. way, yeah. Well,
0: but listen, Neil, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll have a, a chat another time and I will see you uh, having, a, a, you know, a very collegiate... And cooperative drink uh, in Ireland sometime soon.
1: Named after someone's surname. Absolutely. First round's on me, Jeff. Okay,
0: that was the chat with Neil. What a lovely bloke. What a bright guy, fucking funny guy, you know, like an all rounder as well. Like he just seems brilliant stand up, can do panel, he can, he can do it all. Um, so do check out his stuff. And I, I see that I do have listeners. Uh, in Ireland, the island of Ireland, the north of Ireland, Old star sayers. no, I'm not getting into that again. So um, do go and see him on tour. And just to say, we've got more new patrons to welcome here. These are people that uh, I think have joined up because they wanted to watch the special. Do stick around, because there's going to be other stuff. I'm always thinking of other stuff or other Patreon benefits. Like for example, this Wednesday there are people that are coming to the Jeff Norcott and Friends gig, which we, uh, which I allocated a whole shitload of free tickets for in the autumn of last year, and there'll always be stuff like that coming around. But our new patrons are Martin Bennett, Martin Bennett, Martin Bennett, you you're in on the buses, Martin Bennett, Diane Steen. Jesus Christ, that's a power name, Diane, Diane. I mean, Diane Steen has got shoulder pads and massive hairsprayed hair. You know the kind of hair it has got so much hairspray and it, it's fucking brittle? Uh, Bob Young. Bob Young. Did you do, were you on the album with Julius Hill? Bob Young and Julius Hill in the much-awaited collab. Collab, because that's what the kids say now. We've got David Lister. We Hang on. I think I must have fucking taken drugs here. Because I've got David Lister, David, and David, David Lister. I'm going to think that those aren't three separate people. uh, But again, thank you for your support. And we've got Daniel Sheehan. Daniel Sheehan. Daniel Sheehan. Daniel Sheehan. Is Is that a nickname? A surname from the north? I can sometimes get that accent. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish the show with a Northern Irish accent. Thank you so. so it's gonna go weird. Uh thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to my guest Neil Delamere. You have to get very deliberate with the Northern Ireland accent. And uh, I will be back next week. If I, am I losing listeners right now? Oh, it just went a bit there, didn't it? It, was, it just drifted back south and then probably east into the Middle East. Uh, but uh, thank you for all your support and i'll be back next stop it jeff what are you doing i'll be back next week with another edition (laughs) i now sound like one of those northern irish tv personalities from the 70s edition of uh, (laughs) catch